Is the Apple Watch dramatically changing podcast listening? Does podcasting need a new professional association and enabling your Spreaker monetization tools and listener comments and questions? Well, welcome to the Speaker Live Show. This is episode 169 for October 31st, 2018. And if you're in the U.S., this is Halloween Day. So I am Rob Greenlee, and I'm the Vice President of Podcaster Relations at VoxNest that operates your podcast home, Spreaker. And I'm a 14-year podcaster that's started out on the radio and uh, has spent many years behind the microphone um, doing podcasting at a variety of different companies in the podcasting space over the years. And this is the official podcast of the Spreaker platform. And like I said, thank you for downloading us and uh, just clicking play anywhere out there today. I am joined by a, a new co-host today, um, Amy Domestico, who's the customer success manager at VoxNest, and Alex is off celebrating Halloween today. So he he informed me that he was taking the day off from work, and uh, he was going to dedicate his entire day to um, celebrating Halloween. So I wish him the luck out there. He didn't happen to tell me what costume he was going to be in all day today, but I'm I, I'm sure it will be entertaining, and I will ask him for a picture so we can <laughs> we, we can do that. And Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. I have some pretty big shoes to fill from what I understand. I've met Alex one time, and <laughs> I know I've got my work cut out for me today. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I'm sure you'll just do fine. You know, I think between the two of us, I, I, I think we'll bring a much calmer experience to the podcast listening experience on, on, on the show, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's okay. You know, Amy has been around the podcasting space for many, many years. She's spent many years uh, working for, you know, our other company that we merged with about a year ago with Blog Talk Radio. And, and so she's had a lot of experience working with podcasters o- over the years, over how many years has it been now, Amy, you've been working in the medium? Since 2006. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a long time. You've seen a lot and hopefully, you know, Amy can come back and join us on a, on a, you know, on a regular basis here and we can talk about the medium and kind of tap into her vast experience of working around helping shows monetize. And that's yeah. what, what, one of the things that we want to talk about today. Yeah, the space surely has changed over the years. It's finally coming into its own, which is nice to see. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. But to talk a little bit about this show, we stream this show live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. And you can also get it on the Google Podcast app on Android as well. So you can get, you know, go over there. And if you haven't tried the Google Podcast platform, I know this is a very sensitive topic to, to Alex. Uh, he's not a big supporter of Google Podcasts, but just rest assured, Spreaker is a big supporter of Google Podcasts, and and we see it as a huge growth opportunity looking to the future of getting more Android users to uh, be big fans of podcasts. That's the big idea. And you can also hear the show on the Amazon uh, smart speakers that are out there. I, I try not to say her name, Amy, because... Um, People sometimes are listening to shows with their uh, <laughs> devices active in the background, and mm-hmm. s- sometimes if we say her name and and, and reference this show, like her name, uh, and then ask Spreaker to play the Spreaker live show, uh, you can actually start playing the show right on the uh, the the Amazon smart speakers. And as that platform develops and grows. 
mm-hmm. uh, it's it's going to be more and more possible to get this show or get any podcast in your car. Uh, maybe if you have a, a desire to speak to your refrigerator or your toaster, I think that's probably what the future looks like. Uh, Amy, what do you think? Uh, the day that I have to ask my refrigerator to play a podcast <laughs> is the day that I just throw my hands in the air. I've seen it, though. I've seen those smart refrigerators. They're pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's definitely coming. Uh, and then the, the show also has uh, Spreaker Live Show apps on iOS and Android, too. So you can go over there and get the get the show and get us live right on um, our, our own apps. That's also you know something that Spreaker offers, too, is custom apps for your show, if you have a show on Spreaker. But, um, Amy, let's uh, jump in and talk about some of the, the, the topics that are kind of leading, um, coming especially off of uh, the VoxNest side and Spreaker around the, the Apple iWatch, or not the iWatch, but the Apple Watch, um, kind of maybe dramatically changing podcast listening out there. And I think it's an interesting um, question and an interesting development that it's kind of come out of the the blue here of um, how really significant of a change this could actually become. And we'll dive into the details of some of the things that we announced this past week around usage. But Amy, let's just talk a bit about, you know, is this Apple Watch something that's going to change podcast listening in a positive way? I think so, because if you're wearing a watch, you're not having to lug a phone around with you to listen to your podcast. So you've freed up your hands to do everything you know you're driving walking the dog cooking doing the dishes you know anything your watch is on your arm so i really think it's going to change the way people listen to podcasts because up until now i've used my phone and it, it we know the phone is being easy but this is just going to make it so much easier yeah and i think if you combine that experience with uh, these airpods that there's yeah, how many AirPods have been sold out there, Amy? I think you were saying like 30 million or something like that. But you just think about the convenience of that, right? You have these wireless earphones in your ear and something on your watch. You, you don't have to have your iPhone with you. But honestly, most people are, are going to have their iPhone with them, aren't they? I mean, unless they're out for a run or something like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know some people who have the Apple Watch and they've completely switched over to using the watch and hardly ever use their phones anymore. Oh, really? Although, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they carry it with them, but the watch has made it more convenient for them. Yeah, for it sure. probably stays in their bag or it stays in their pocket or something. They just don't pull it out as much. And and it's certainly more more convenient. And as you think about the power of um, that, that Apple Watch, the, the new one that can track your, your health and track all sorts of stuff about us, I... I know we're getting closer to that future, Amy, of uh, us us having you know this stuff built into our bodies. You know, is is that where we're going with all this? I wonder. Scary, right? right. Yeah, Apple has always shaped the way that people get their on-demand content for podcasters, especially, and the platform itself has hit over fifty billion downloads on podcasts. Did you know that? I know that's huge. Yeah, yeah with, that, they have over 500,000 active shows. Yeah. Well, and we announced earlier th- this week that we're, we were starting to see some significant um, usage numbers coming out of the Apple Watch um, on the Spreaker platform, you know, like in the, the range of um, 8 to 10% of uh, the activity on the Apple Watch uh, 
And so those those downloads uh, are becoming a, a significant number. And when we we put out our our numbers, that was based on our understanding of the data and what it was showing us. Um, the other big thing that I was really surprised at was the bump in the listenership of podcasts on the weekends. I don't know if you noticed that 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 was the mm-hmm. the trend. Typically, the the historical data is that podcast listening drops on the weekends. I guess it could be a factor of the convenience that really exists with this Apple Watch, right? I think that what plays into that is people feel that their phone is a big distraction and on the weekends they're kind of trying to get away from sitting in front of technology. And so any opportunity to take a break from the iPhone and improve the focus on you know outside life, is it's a great thing, right? But the phone, I mean, sorry, the watch just makes it more convenient to listen to a podcast without being tied to something in your face, like right. your phone. Yeah. There's a little bit of debate that's going on in the industry right now around the, the numbers and the usage behavior of the Apple Watch at, in regards to podcasting. And I think we're still kind of at the early stages of of really thoroughly at a deep level understanding the the behavioral um, activity around the Apple Watch. I, I'm sure over the next three to four or five months or so, these numbers are going to be more refined and more specific and more um, detailed um, on exactly usage behavior. Because I would imagine this is going to impact, let's say, the IEB V2 specs, um, because we may have a unique usage case here. Um, right. that, that, that is maybe causing some numbers to maybe be a little bit off. You know, I know I've heard from others, um, other folks in the podcasting space that are, that are reporting different numbers. And so we, we definitely need to, you know, all kind of come together on this and come up with, you know, an understanding of what the new usage behavior is of this platform, because it does appear to be a little different, um, than what has typically been tracked and reported, uh, just on the iPhone. Exactly. So a little fun fact for you. The watch will actually outlast the AirPods for your, uh, for your podcast mean? listening. Oh, future. as far as the battery life? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have to charge it before the end of the day. But um, So for lengthy podcast playback sessions, the iPhone is probably more ideal. But yeah, because the, uh, the watch will outlast your, your AirPods. But you're right. I mean, those... Those AirPods are pretty small, so I can't imagine that they have a very big battery in them. The and I believe it also has a microphone too, right? So yeah, yeah. So the built-in speaker is probably going to need a sound boost before it's practical for right. listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, if you think about the, how much space there there is for a speaker in there, and it's it's fairly small. I know phones have had speakers in them for for a while, but some of them can be rather large. Um, so it makes a lot of sense but uh you know this is a fast evolving area and i think it's going to be interesting to see i think this kind of came out of the blue um amy i I, i'm not sure that many in the industry um really foresaw a dramatic increase in podcast consumption coming out of the watch but i i'm sure that many thought that there would definitely be a bump it just i'm not sure that we fully grasped um that really the overall significance of this. So, so, but anyway, well, let's, let's move on. If you have any other questions or comments, I mean, just based on your own usage of the Apple watch yourself, I mean, send us a comment an email, send it to Rob at, 
at Spreaker.com, and um, we can talk about it on the next episode of the show. We'd love to to hear your thoughts on what what your user experience is of using your watch. I, if you really think I don't actually own an a Apple Watch myself, but uh, I probably should go out and get one because I think this could be a real uh, earthquake of a change in the medium as you look to the future. Um, <laughs> so, so I, yeah. I may wind up being a, you know, an iPhone user at some point, who knows, or Android. I'm not quite sure. Actually, I, I own an iPhone. I just don't use it so much at all. You're, you're a windows <laughs> guy. I know that right. I, I actually, after all of this thought to myself, I really need to go get the watch now. I have, I'm an iPhone user. So yeah. Yeah. Well, Amy, let's let, let's move on from that topic. I think we spent quite a bit of time on it, and I think it was worth the dedicated time. But let's talk about, Amy, do you think we need a new podcast association or a way for the industry to kind of come together and uh, work together? I think it goes a little bit beyond that even. Um, you brought this up to me yesterday, and I thought about it last night. And, you know, even the Screen Actors Guild, they right. support – about 160,000 actors, announcers, broadcast journalists, dancers, etc. So I think as the space evolves and it turns into a business for podcasters, because podcasters now have the ability to monetize, which we're going to talk about later, but it's going to need something for sure. Right. And I did hear comments from a few others in the industry just here over the last week telling um, telling me, because I've been raising this and I I wrote a blog post off of my blog at uh, robgreenlee.com talking about this subject, but um, that this is something that we probably needed a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, and it may be a little late. It's never too now, late, Rob. That's, yeah, I was going to say now is as good as ever, right? But it's just, uh, it, it's something that the industry probably needed a couple of years ago. And it may have, if it had existed, it may have helped us avoid some of the bumps that I think that we're coming into uh, here over the next year. So, so, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it could be beneficial. Let's talk about kind of the, the bigger picture of it too is, and this is feedback that I, I heard from, uh, James Cridlin who does uh, podnews.net. Actually, there was an exchange on, on, on Twitter on this topic and he, he chimed in and I a hundred percent agree with him, uh, that the number one thing that the association needs to have is, is be global. It needs to have a global perspective and it needs to have mm-hmm. representatives from across the industry, um, from the public radio side, the commercial radio to the Indies, uh, oh. include everybody and more actually, uh, be also supported by, by the big platforms like Apple and Spotify and Google. And, and I think that we can accomplish that. I mean, I've actually myself personally talked to, folks from NPR um, and some of those other bigger platforms, and they are all um, on the surface supportive of the idea. And And I think uh, I, I don't think it's going to be difficult to get people to get on board with this idea, but it may be challenging to structure it in a way that's, um, that's fair to everyone and that provides a, a pathway for contribution that is equal and fair because this podcasting space has had an association before. This isn't the first time this happened. It was called the Association of Downloadable Media, um, ADM. This was back in 2008. So Amy, do you remember the ADM? I think you were around back then, right? I was. I was around in 2006, but I honestly don't remember the ADM, no. Uh, It was a group of 
folks in the podcasting space. I mean, a lot of the, the people that were involved in the ADM are, are no longer in the medium. Um, they've moved on or are doing a, a other things. I was on the board of directors of the ADM back then, and it was really a grassroots organization that started with the desire to come up with standards. And a lot of the reasons that we need it today are the reasons that that organization was started back then. And that, that was back in 2008. So, so 10 years later, um, we've been operating under really a lot of the things that came out of the ADM from the, the current metric standards that were established before the IAB got involved. Um, this was um, prior to about three years ago. Um, that's what we were all operating under. I mean, um, all the companies were using a basic level of podcast counting metrics. It wasn't very advanced. It wasn't very sophisticated. And it certainly didn't take into account the the complexities of the market and the medium today. Uh, so that's that's why the IAB was really, really needed. Um, but back then, that organization was very dysfunctional. It had a lot of power plays going on in, internally. It didn't feel like it was um, a balanced organization across the whole industry. It felt very leaning towards specific groups and companies. Um, and it ultimately f- fell apart because people didn't want to participate anymore. And so anything that we do going forward with this needs to learn from that. I believe we can do that. And I believe that if we have um, people in there that understand the history and the the complexities of this medium, I think we can work our way through it and come up with some really new productive standards in the, in the medium um, that can help us around advertising, can also be supportive of the IEB um, podcast metrics, kind of move things forward in a real positive direction. So you know, any other thoughts that you have, Amy, on this? No, I just think it's a very good idea. Now that the uh, industry has turned into a, an actual business, I mean, back when we first started, podcasting was an idea, right? The whole right. business model was subscription. It was all right. subscription-based. And now that advertising involved is involved, it's turned into an actual business. It's no longer a concept or an idea. So any kind of collaboration amongst you know the industry, we all have to be on the same page and move right. in the same direction for the good of the of the podcasters, because those are our that should be our priority is right. is supporting our um, content creators. Right. So yeah, it's definitely a great idea. And I think that that would be, I mean, if I'm going to be involved in it myself personally, um, I'm going to be pushing for having this organization be relatively flat from an organizational perspective and, and include um, all levels of podcasters um, and, and, and have pathways for everybody to be involved at some, some level or some degree, depending on what they were comfortable with or what their, their time availability is. So it's, it's really, that can be a challenge and I, mm-hmm. I fully appreciate that. And you know, what's this organization going to be called too, is another thing. Is it a global podcast association? I mean, I kind of make some re- recommendations in the article th- that I wrote about it. Um, but I'm open to any ideas out there and it's going to have to be something that's voted on by a, a group of people that are, that are pulled together that, um, are looking out for the, the best desires of the industry. And that's, that's what I'm hoping to have here. So. Yeah, definitely. Podcasting is shaping the, uh, the new media landscape. So it's, it's going to be needed. Yeah. 
if you have any thoughts on this, feel free to write me, you know, like, just like on the Apple Watch topic. Um, we can certainly share your, your thoughts on this on this as well um, in the next episode. So you can send that to rob at spreaker.com and I, I can pass those on to some of the other podcast uh, leaders in the industry um, to help shape this organization and what, what you think it would look like. I think it's really important to get feedback from everybody on this. Um, I'd be curious to see what the podcasters feel about it and uh, maybe they could even send you some name suggestions as well. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I think that that's what that, that's what we need to do. We need to come up with a list of all of the ideas and then as a group, uh, we can pull together as many people as we can. Maybe on Facebook, maybe there needs to be a Facebook group and everybody joins there and these ideas are thrown out and people can vote on them and we can c- come up with a consensus of what the direction that everybody wants to see happen. I think that that's probably something that would, would really help in the process. So great. Yep. But anyway, Amy, let's talk a little bit about speaker monetization tools. You know, one of the things that, uh, has been important to the speaker platform and, and hopefully, you know, speaker podcasters is the monetization tools and the ability to make money, uh, from their 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 show in as easy a way as possible, and I think that's one of the goals that we've tried to shoot for is trying to build a platform that can help any level of show monetize. Um, but Amy, uh, what's your perspective on that? Do you think um, that the progress that, that that we're making in this is having an impact on podcasters? And and uh, let's let's then talk about you know kind of kind of at a deeper level of that that process and and how to actually do that. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in the uh, dynamic ad injection side of podcasting since 2015. Uh, so I've ha- I have a couple of years into it, and I've right. been able to see the effects that um, it has had on podcasting and the podcaster. And what I've seen is podcasters who were making zero dollars and doing it as a hobby, putting money into it with equipment and time, is they're actually finally able to earn back money without working for somebody else. It's, they, they are in control right. of the money they make with their advertising with this dynamic ad injection. Of course, everything else plays into it. How many listens do you have, right? right. Um, where are you syndicated? You know, and it causes people to create better content. It causes people to create more content. So um, it's been definitely, it's definitely been a, a very interesting thing to watch over the past couple of years and help people uh, do it and 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 start to earn right. money. I, I'll never forget the first month that uh, after we we rolled it out uh, on the platform, uh, I got a phone call from one of our hosts and he was basically stuttering, you know, and he said, I, I think you guys made a mistake. And I, I said, what, what's the matter? And he said, D- you guys paid me today and it's, it's quite a bit of money. So I went in and looked and yeah, there it was. He had made a whole, <laughs> a whole lot of money. <laughs> and I, I reached out to uh, somebody in the office and they were like, no, it's right. And it, it basically changed his life. He's, was able to change his career where he wasn't, you know, working 90 hours a week anymore. And, you know, not everybody's going to have that, that kind right. of success right off the bat, but sure. yeah. anyway, I'm rambling now. So I'm going to stop. But it's, I mean, it's definitely that opportunity is there. You know, I, 
I think it just depends on the size and the scale of your show. And, and I think that there is a formula here, Amy, and I think you've probably been able to, to see that firsthand working with so many shows that have added this kind of monetization tools to their, their program and how they've actually done it to, to achieve that kind of impact and that kind of success. I mean, what is the, the typical formula that you see and how people deploy this technology? So the first thing you want to be aware of is that the ads are going to be served over your RSS feed. Right. So you want to make sure you're using one RSS feed for your syndication points and you're not kind of all over the place with a feed here and a, and a feed there. Uh, I've seen podcasters come in They've got a feed on Libsyn that's going to Google Play, and they've got a feed on Blueberry, and it's going there. You want to have one RSS feed that's syndicated to all your syndication points. And then you're going to want to effectively use the tools. Are you creating regular content so your your subscription uh, base kind of stays consistent? Um, and are you regularly using the tool for every show that you do? Um, pre-rolls, mid-rolls, and post-rolls. Are, are key, obviously, but consistency in content creation is also key and and how you're using it. So do you see um, shows that are really, really earning big dollars kind of doing a combination effort of maybe doing some uh, live hosteries in combination with the, the dynamic tools? Um, or, or, I mean, I know that, you know, most <sighs> podcasters realize that there's, you know, podcasting has kind of two ends of the spectrum. There's the the baked in pre-recorded kind of host reads if you're able to get those kind of ads right and then there's that's, the that's the thing right the, there's the dynamic side and is it powerful to combine those together do you think it's definitely powerful to combine those but i think live reads to be honest is still in its early stages right it's it's one of those things where it's feast or famine and the people who uh, the brands who want to place live reads, they're going after the bigger podcasters. Right. So, right. so the dynamic ad injection then kind of is great for that middle tier that's always missed out and the lower tier who's just getting started. So the answer is, is that if you can um, get host reads for your program, it can be a powerful addition to your revenue stream. But that's typically reserved for larger shows. But hopefully in the future, and Amy and I know this has been talked about it a, a lot, is combining those two things together in with Dynamic, right? There's no reason why a host read couldn't be dynamically inserted into your show. And so then it gets back to a, a content issue. Now, granted, we're not there yet as a medium. We're typically across these platforms that we're integrating um, host reads into Dynamic in insertion environments, but I I do know that some of the bigger players like um, Public Radio um, is starting to do that, and they're finding great success with it. And I do believe that we will eventually be able to fully support that kind of capability as well on our our you know our speaker monetization tools. We're not quite there yet, um, but I do believe that people can start now in a modest way of taking advantage of these dynamic ad insertion tools, start generating revenue to their show if they format their show and let's what's the best way to format your show or produce your show to accommodate these mid rolls type of placements so generally the rule of thumb is no more than than one ad spot every you know 10 to 15 minutes so you have mm -hmm. to keep that in mind you don't want to overload your podcast with ads we also give the ability to do a back 
back ad, which is nice, right? right? You can get two ads in one spot and that, that, that definitely helps. So, um, pre-rolls, post-rolls, those are automatic. Those can be served without you having to lift a finger. Um, the mid-rolls are what you have to worry about production-wise. So one thing that I like to tell people is while you're doing the show, watch the clock and maybe 10, 15 minutes in, you may want to say something like, coming up next, we're going to be talking about or to. Um, and then at the end of that sentence, you jot down the time and you're able to have a, an ad marker in that spot. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful, though, not to say coming up next after this ad because sometimes there might not be an ad there right. because yeah. ad fill, right? We should talk a little bit about ad fill. So every platform always has a certain ad fill percentage, and there may be a, a, a time where maybe we're running 80% ad fill. 20% of the time an ad might not be there, so you have to be careful not to say that. Right, so you don't want to set the expectation that there's a commercial break when and then it it never occurs. It it just creates a kind of a weird thing. I know it's been a common experience that I've had listening to podcasts that are typically um, you know, have been radio shows or whatever where they've 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 produced a show for radio but then they're pushing it out as a podcast and sometimes they'll they'll have pretty hard breaks in the content and then there's no ad there. So now, granted, you could make the case that those shows are, you know, prime for dynamic ad insertion, but your your ad fill comment kind of dispels that, right? That that yeah, um, you need to be conscious of of that. Um, it's yeah, you, you, it's yeah, it's definitely going to happen. I mean, you're not always right. going to have an ad. Yeah, yeah, you could say something like, "Right now, I'm talking to Rob Greenley from Spreaker," and then you know, there there goes an ad, right? Right, exactly, and. And mid rolls are very important. Let's let's talk about why mid rolls are important because mid rolls are kind of like you know you've got your audience engaged. They're they're listening to content. Uh, and, you know you're basically you've got their attention. That's the best time to deliver a, a ad message, right? Uh, it's not probably ideal or best to deliver it at the front or the back of the show, um, but I, I think the power is in the mid roll. What's your thought, Amy, on that? Oh, definitely. Midroll is a very desirable ad spot for advertisers, and it can help you um, double, sometimes quadruple, the amount of money that you make on a podcast. Right. And then also, um, where should that midroll happen? Should it be? Should you have one early in your content, and then kind of mid, and then later, or what's the what's the appropriate position? So let's say you don't want to do pre rolls when some shows opt out of pre-rolls. Do you think it's a good idea to put those mid-rolls kind of early into the show or after some period of time? I usually recommend one after the introduction. So okay. if you're going into your podcast and you're introducing the content or a guest um, right after that, we have hosts that do it both ways. We have hosts that can get away with a whole lot of ads, right? Sports content uh, mm-hmm. sp- specifically can, can just place ads everywhere. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so how many ads is, is a whole lot of ads? That's, that's the question. Oh, uh, we've, we've seen that in action. Um, <laughs> if you want to get into details, I, I have a guy who actually broke the system. So <laughs> at one point, so many what, ads. Like he has like four ads in, in each break or something like that. Is that how it works or? I, I 
Yeah, yeah I, I I don't even want to say this out loud. It's forty eight <laughs> ads, forty eight ads. Oh my yeah, goodness. yeah. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, but but were people still listening to his show? I guess I, is the I, question, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it was sports content. They can get away with it. So a pre roll, you can do a pre roll as a mid roll by placing it after that intro. So um, you go into your show and you you start your your introduction and maybe it lasts a minute or two. You can stick a mid roll right at the end of that and. Technically, it's a mid-roll, but you could call it a pre-roll. Yeah. I mean, it's like at the top of this show. When I start this show, I, I usually list what the main topics are as the first thing. And then right after that, you could do a, a, a mid-roll. And then after the mid-roll, it kind of rolls into the intro music. And that's when the show starts. So you could do it there or, or you could do it right after the, you know, right before my intro or right after my intro. There could be like a little bit of a of a pause there where an ad runs and then I come in, come back in a soft break and then start getting into the content. So there's a couple places early on. You could use this show as a little bit of an example of, of what you could do um, as far as placing those transitions. Cause that's kind of what they are a little bit, but you want them to be a little bit soft is my, that's my opinion because you know, yep. those ads aren't always going to be there. So. Right. So I think you need to stick to the 10, 15 minute rule after that right. for sure. Um, I know that sometimes people have expressed the fact that they're worried about what kind of ads they're going to play. Does it fit my brand, et cetera? Yeah. The advertisers are pretty routine advertisers, you know, Home Depot and Progressive. And I've heard Post University and Disney, et cetera. We have blocks on content that shouldn't be uh, on the platform. We don't allow specific types of ads that you uh, we try to make it family friendly, right. so to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of advertisers are family friendly, so right. they they also want to reach content that's family friendly too. So it's yeah. it's they definitely have a lot of motivation to um, to advertise on and to present advertising content that um, is friendly to um, all interests, right? So so and it's you know you don't want to offend people um, and. And I think most advertisers are are like that as well. So, so I think you're generally going to be safe. Is my comment. right? <laughs> exactly. Which leads me to the fact that your content should be clean, right? right. So, right. anybody who has their podcast set to explicit, actually, you cut down on the amount of revenue you can make because there are certain advertisers who don't want to be in explicit content. So. Right. Well, and also it it gets back to distribution too. If you've marked your show explicit, there's like, I don't know, Amy, is there like, it's like 10 countries around the world that will completely block your content. Right. Um, that won't even allow in. I mean, I mean like a country of Russia and India and China, I think all those <laughs> would definitely yeah. qualify. Right. Yeah. I got a phone call from a host once and they wanted to know how they could earn more money. They were earning some money, but they want to know how they can earn more. Right. And I went in and I looked and they and I said, "Why is your podcast marked explicit? What do you actually do that it's explicit?" It was, it was something that you wouldn't expect to be explicit. And they said, "Well, sometimes we'll have a guest on, and that guest will drop the f bomb." Oh no! And I'll be like, "Edit it out or beep it. Throw, throw a horn over it. You know, <laughs> a toilet flushing, anything. Right. And don't mark your if it's just because of an f bomb here and there. Fix it." Unmark your content explicit and start earning the ad revenue because yeah. at the end of the day, that's what's going to put money in your pocket. Yeah, because if you – just keep in mind, if you 
opt in to an explicit tag in any of your episodes. So let's say you didn't check the explicit tag on your show level settings, but you select it on any one episode that causes a default across your whole show. So, so, and that'll block your show from being accessible um, to any of those, you know, dozen or more countries out there too. So uh, all it takes is one episode to put you over the, the, uh, filter line unfortunately (laughs) yeah you can create great content without it being explicit they do it on radio every day right right they walk that line don't they amy (laughs) yeah they do (laughs) any other comments or thoughts um amy on your experience at working with monetization tools and how podcasters can can maximize i don't know if we want to talk about you know how people get paid and and what the sign up process is so when they sign up on Spreaker, it's pretty simple. You just have to opt into the monetization in your. Right. You just have to opt into the monetization in your, in your um, CMS, and then you have to be be conscious to set those mid roll markers when you're when you're um, after you've uploaded your content. Yeah, it's important to get in there and and. I, I would say try and be as precise as you can too, because the, the the last thing that you want to do is have it be a little bit off, and you start the commercial right in the middle of you talking or something like that. I think you have to be as precise as you can, and also maybe maybe it's just as simple as you know you've identified where in the content flow that you have, or you just mainly just stop talking for maybe three or four seconds. Uh, and then that establishes a location and maybe it doesn't even have to be that much, maybe just a second or two where you can see a gap, right? Right. And then a second or two is sufficient. Slide it. You, you just set that little marker right in that gap and that'll easily split you, split the content and be able to create a, a slot to be able to slide that at spot in and to slide it out. Cause that's what yep. it's doing. It's, it's almost like a, like a bookshelf, right? So you, you think about your content as a as a row of books. What you're doing is you're sliding a book in and out, right? And that's basically what the ad insertion technology does. And and so it can change the the length of your program too. So depending on the length of the spot, most of the spots you can set in the tool to either be 30 or 60 or unlimited, right? So some some spots, you know, I mean, you think about a live host read, those can be a minute and a half, two minutes long on some shows, right? The ones that are baked in. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's happening a lot with these ads because these are typically ads that are a little bit more formatted to kind of more the, the radio format. Um, right. So that's, they're a little bit more restricted in their duration, which can be can be good. Um, so just keep that in mind as you um, ha- add these things. And the tool does enable you to do back-to-back ads too. So you could conceivably have two ads run back-to-back in that commercial break as well, which would probably have a multiplier effect on your uh, revenue, I would imagine. It does. It definitely does. Um, and the tool also has a Zoom uh, capability for the audio. So if you need to zoom in to your waveform, and see precisely where something needs to be placed. That's nice too. Yeah, definitely. Well, Amy, I think we, I think we covered that pretty good. And if you have any other comments or questions on, on that topic, we can certainly expand on it. Uh, you know, if you send me an email, Rob at speaker.com, we'd love to hear your thoughts on your experiences with it and, and how you think we might be able to improve it too. So, um, Hey, Amy, before we jump off, I, I just had this thought um, and move on to the next thing. Let's talk about how a podcaster can get, 
paid? I mean, what's the process of getting paid once you've activated this and had it running on your, uh, your show for a while? It's so, so simple. So when you sign up for uh, revenue sharing on Spreaker.com, you are required to put your PayPal email address and that's how we pay through PayPal. And podcasters get paid uh, every 30 days. So, um, for instance, this month we just paid out for August. So uh, we're always count 50 days after the end of that month, if that makes sense. Yeah. I probably – okay. It does. There's a, a variety of layers of people getting paid that causes it to take – a longer period of time. So the, the ad buying platform that we're working with, um, offers the, the inventory, right. To advertisers and they come in and they buy that. And then the, the platform that's the buying platform has to wait to get paid by the advertiser. Right. And then that advertiser pays the platform and then, and then we get paid after that. So that's why it kind of takes a little bit longer to get the money flowing out to you, the podcaster, but it's coming. Rest assured yeah. it's coming. <laughs> Once you get that first payment, it's every 30 days after that. It's just waiting for that first initial right. payment. It's it's always about two months out. So Yeah. It's it's like a daisy chain of dominoes falling. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. So one more thing, Rob, about advertising. I am going to be uh heading up a webinar on monetization for Spreaker. Uh, sometime in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. So um, we're still in the very early planning stages of that. Well, that will help podcasters kind of get into a webinar, ask questions and and learn how to use the tools more effectively. Yeah. I mean, it is helpful to be able to visualize this stuff because, you know, doing it over an audio program like this doesn't give all the the details on what, what to click and how to click and what all the settings are and stuff. And I think you're going to help people, understand it at a much deeper level than we've been able to here today. So that's good. So we'll announce the date of that webinar um, once we have it, because I don't think we have it quite yet, do we? No, we don't. No, but I'm excited because, you know, my goal for the past few few years has been to to help the independent podcaster make money, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, you're our hero on that front. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're helping. You're helping. Podcasters put a lot of work into their podcasts. It's a lot of work. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's not easy doing this stuff, but it's sure a lot of fun, though. We definitely have a good time doing it. So, you know, I've been doing it a long time, and I definitely caught the bug a long time ago. And yeah. uh, it's just something that's uh, it's like breathing now to me. So I don't even... You know, think about it too much when I get get in front of a microphone, and eventually, you as a podcaster will feel that way too. So it's it's just part of the evolution of of getting confidence, and just like doing anything else, right? Like riding a bike, you know, you never forget. <laughs> yeah, podcasters will sometimes be like, "I'm taking a break, I'm leaving," and then they come back like three months later. I miss it. Right, and it's typical, very typical. It's very addicting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, well, let's let's talk uh, quick quickly about. Uh, and I know I mentioned this on all of the episodes, but the next event that Spreaker is going to be at uh, is the Vancouver Podcast Festival um, up in Vancouver, British Columbia, on November eighth through the tenth, uh, two thousand eighteen. Actually, just uh, you know about a week or so away. 
Uh, it's at vanpodfest.ca. So if you wanted to check it out, um, if you happen to be living in the, the Northwest or up in the Canadian market, uh, it's a it's a great event to go to to learn about podcasting. They're, they're doing a bunch of panel sessions. I'm on um, a couple of the panels up there, so it should be an interesting experience. It's the first time that Vancouver's had a podcast festival, and I think it's going to be a big deal up there for them. And then in January, on January 19th through the 20th, uh, is PodCon in Seattle at uh, podcon.com. Uh, and that's going to be a very large event, probably over 3,000 people attending that event. So you, if you live in the Pacific Northwest and you're a podcaster, um, that would be a great event for you to attend at the time. And Spreaker is also going to have a, a booth there, probably a big booth and sponsorship. And we're going to have a large presence there, and I'm going to be there as well. Um, so if you can attend that, that would be fantastic. And, but, uh, Amy, let's, let's move on and talk a bit about, uh, some, some listener comments. Um, fringe FM, uh, posted a comment on the Spreaker page. Yep. Spreaker is the only, uh, one doing it right for audience and, you know, audience engagement and s- syndication for publishers, uh, People need to know the power of Spreaker. Fringe FM, thank you so much for that. I, you know, doing shows live and creating that audience engagement, I, I think, is a very powerful thing, and that's something that Spreaker excels at. And um, and I think we've we're working hard to build our tools to be able to better syndicate to listening platforms. Uh, more and more, we're actively working on trying to build you know tighter partnerships with Apple and TuneIn and and Spotify and all the stuff to help refine that process to make it easier on you, the podcaster. So fringe. Thanks for the comment there. We also got a comment. Um, Oh, Amy, do you have any comment on that? Uh, that fringe FM comment about Spreaker and the interactivity? I know you're working on block talk radio over the years. That's been a big part of what you've done. Yeah. I, I mean, the interactivity on Spreaker is great. The, the live shows and, and the chat function and the syndication out to social and all the platforms it's it's unbelievable and it's a very mobile centric platform and i think that's that's one thing that's been that's really been exciting for me to see develop over the years is just how mobile um friendly spreaker is just just as a general and that's you know that's tapping right into the to the trend that's happening uh, around podcast growth and development but uh, we also got a, a comment from linda Irwin. um i listen to podcasts when i'm i'm home uh, most of the time and listen to the radio when uh when when i'm traveling in, in the truck which is not very much i really do not cross over the the two very much so that's an interesting feedback i mean i I do think that the listenership in the car has not grown, I think, as quickly or as fast as a lot of people, I think, early on in this podcast medium thought it would. Uh, Radio seems to be maintaining a lot of their listenership. uh, I think a lot to do with the uh, convenience of radio in in the car and in trucks. I know, Amy, what's your thought on this? this, Oh, I completely uh, agree because I am a person who likes convenience and I am also a person who's like Linda and doesn't do a lot of crossover just out of pure laziness because I'll get in the car and maybe my kids were using the car before I was and I got to reconnect my phone to the Bluetooth and you're already driving at that point. So um, it's one of those things where I'll just 
flip the radio on. And not that I'm enjoying it because all I'm hearing is ads on the radio anyway. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of content going on with right. podcasting. It's a lot of storytelling and interesting things you can listen to. Speaking of heavy advertising load, right? Um, <laughs> that's definitely <laughs> the case on the, on the radio side, but I guess that yeah. also explains why they make so much money too, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess I pop have the ability to control that, which I think is a beautiful thing. Right, exactly. Well, Linda, uh, thank you so much for the comment. As usual, I know you're a regular contributor to this show, and I definitely appreciate it. But if you have a comment that you want to um, send in or post to the SpreakerLiveShow.com landing page uh, with the with, with the show on, on Spreaker, um, just post it over there. But you can certainly send me an email, rob at Spreaker.com, and uh, we'll mention it on the show. So, um well, Amy, I think we've uh, reached the end of the end of the line here for this week. So, thank you so much for breaking away from your busy schedule and coming over and um, doing the show with me. I I, per- I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure that I'm no Alex because I <laughs> <laughs> Alex is Alex, but it was it was definitely a lot of fun for me. You can have me back anytime. All right. Well, thank you so much, Amy, and I. I appreciate you for listening to the Spreaker Live show today, and and it's uh, we're excited to have you back with us uh, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com, and uh, definitely give us some feedback. If you even want to send me an audio uh, email, uh, like an MP3, if you can produce an MP3 a comment or a question, please send it to me. I'd be happy to play it on the show and um, answer your question or Um, raise an interesting topic for us to talk about on the show. So thank you so much. And I hope you have a terrific Halloween if you're in the United States. And and if you're not, then uh, I guess you won't have a happy Halloween. So thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 